All right, open your Bibles with me to Psalm 21. Psalm 21. I'm going to try and get back to our Zechariah study here soon, but this morning I thought that uh, it would be appropriate with a lot of things that are going on in your lives and in my life to speak on this subject, what to do when you're overwhelmed. What to do when you're overwhelmed. How many of you have ever felt overwhelmed? How many of you felt overwhelmed this week? <laughs> yeah. What do, what do we do when we are overwhelmed? Let's have a word of prayer and we'll get started. Lord, thank you so much for your grace. Lord, thank you for your power. Lord, thank you that, um, that we know and experience your presence. And so, Lord, help us as we study your word. Lord, I pray this is a help to those that are here today. In Jesus' name, amen. What do you do when you're overwhelmed? And, you know, there are many different ways to be overwhelmed. Of course, you know what, what my family's going through right now, and many of you have been through that. But there are, there are other ways to be overwhelmed. You lose a job. The bills are coming in. That's overwhelming. That's overwhelming. You have a bunch of kids. That's overwhelming. You have a bunch of kids, and then you homeschool. That's overwhelming. You teach a bunch of kids that aren't yours, that you can't beat. That's overwhelming. Now, let me back up in case you're sensitive. Don't beat your kids. I'm not, I'm not endorsing child abuse, okay? Although some need... Anyway, the, these things are overwhelming. If you're interested in politics, State of the Union's coming up. That's overwhelming, right? You know, when you look at everything that's going on in the world, things can get overwhelming. So how do we as believers approach this? What should we do? Some of it's very simple from the Scriptures. Others, other of it is difficult. But let's look at this first one. What do we do? The first thing we need to do, we need to remember some things. We need to remember the truth about who God is. We need to remember the truth about who God is. He is the all-powerful one. He is the all-powerful one. Look at Psalm 21. And look at verse 13. Be thou exalted, Lord, in whose strength? In thine own strength. So will we sing and praise thy power. You know, um, when you're in trouble, those of us who believers will say, the Lord will give you strength. Y'all believe that? The Lord will give you strength. Who gives the Lord strength? He doesn't need anyone to give him strength. Is that good? Look at the way this verse says it. Be thou exalted, Lord, in thine own strength. Can you imagine someone saying, yeah, I'm going to be, I, I, I am powerful enough to do this by myself. Now, we've all heard someone say that. I got this. Yeah, really? Really? And then you watch them fall. We've all done that. And it's so wonderful to realize the power that God has. Look at Psalm 49. Psalm 49. Look at verse 15. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Selah. How about this? How's that power? God's going to raise us from the dead. If we go home to be with the Lord before he returns, what's he going to do? He, he has the power. To raise us from the dead. 
Now, you might want to mark that word Selah there. We're going to come back to that word later on in our message. Mark that word Selah. How's that for power? But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for He shall receive me. Selah. Look at Psalm 59. Look at verse 1. <clears throat> deliver, me from the, deliver me from mine enemies, O my God. Defend me from them that rise up against me. So, you know, there are different types of things that overwhelm you. Uh, here, I, I don't know that I have any particular enemies that are trying to destroy me. Um, but sometimes it sure seems that way. You know, if you're a Christian in the workplace, if you're, if you're a Christian in a family of unbelievers... Um, if you're a young person at school trying to stand for the Lord and people are trying to attack you for that, what kind of deliverance do you need? You need deliverance from your enemies. Now, sometimes it's just fun to read the imprecatory prayers. You know, an imprecatory prayer is where D David is praying to God that God will destroy his enemies. And man, he doesn't pray that God will just cause them to leave him alone. Dash them under thy foot. Destroy them. Kill them with the power of thy might. How many of you enjoy those prayers sometimes? Amen. Amen. Psalm 59, look at this. So you know the context of that. Look at verse 16. But I will sing of thy power. Yea, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning. For thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. Is that a great verse? Man, when you are in a fight, and it doesn't matter what kind of fight it is, He is your strength and your refuge. What do you do when you're overwhelmed? We just need to be reminded about how powerful God is. Now, we've said this many times. Most of us never ask God for anything that Bill Gates couldn't give us. Right? But I can promise you this. Bill Gates can't give you peace. He can't give you strength. He can't give you joy. He can give you entertainment for a little while. You know, he could pay some bills. You know, I wouldn't turn it down if he offered me a billion dollars, right? But that doesn't give you peace. That doesn't give you peace at all. Um, my brother and I were driving through this beautiful subdivision uh, on the way to the hospital the other day. And he pointed in and said, my, uh, my wife's cousin lives in there. And all the houses are two and three million dollar houses in this place. And I said, do you have a relationship with him? And, you know, because I'm thinking, I want to tap into this a little bit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and he said, he said, no. No, we don't. He's really paranoid. He thinks everybody's out to get him. You know, and, and I said to my brother, I said, Having money is not all it's cracked up to be, you know. And now not having money is not all it's cracked up to be, <laughs> all right. So, you know, the Bible talks about having food and raiment, that's enough. You know, um, the life that God has given us, my brother and I both said this. And, you know, we both have a nice lifestyle. Neither one of us who are wealthy in America or wealthy everywhere else in the world, but we're not wealthy in America. But we, we have a good life, and it's enough. Isn't it a blessing to be able to say it's enough? You know, that is so good when we trust in anything other than the Lord to bring us peace and joy. It's all going to go away. And I'll tell you this, when the, when the chips are down, that nice car doesn't help you. Well, unless you need to get there fast, then it helps you. 
But other than that, when the chips are down, that nice car doesn't help you, that nice house doesn't help you, you know, that good, that good 401k doesn't help you. When the chips are down, you need the Lord's strength and His power, and we need to be reminded to go to Him, to run to Him. Uh, I just told someone this morning, I'll tell you who it was, it was, the, uh, it was Aaron Hewling. You know, Jamie had surgery, and, and it's, it's a tough recovery because she was so depleted from her sickness before. And I told him, don't walk through this alone. You're not alone. How many of you have ever done that? You, you've, you have forgotten, for whatever reason, to tell God's people about your trouble. You ever been through there? And all of a sudden, you feel alone. You're not alone. That's why God established the church. And what we do is we come around you. We provide needs for you, physical needs, spiritual needs. But the number one thing we do is we point you to Jesus. Because that's where the strength is. That's where the help is. Look with me at Psalm 62, 11. Psalm 62. If you look at verse 1 for the context, Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From Him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. That's a great verse, isn't it? You want to know what His authority for that is? Look at verse 11. God hath spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. All the power. It's all His. So when you are overwhelmed, we need to be reminded that God is powerful. He's powerful. Remember the truth about who God is. He is the all-powerful one. And number two, remember the truth about who you are in Christ. Remember the truth about who you are in Christ. You know, the fact that God is powerful, that might not help you if you're His enemy. Is that right? The Bible talks about people walking contrary to God. And God says, I will also walk contrary to you. That would be a bad place to be. Right? But it's wonderful. The Bible says that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Is that right? So if we're in Christ, what's the result of that? There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. If you are in Christ Jesus, that power that could be used against you is now for you. So it's like this. Bill Gates, will use his example, his illustration, or the illustration of Bill Gates. He has a lot of money, doesn't he? And with that money, he does have a lot of human power. That means absolutely nothing to me. I mean, I can't even get somebody from Microsoft on the phone. Is that right? You call them? Perhaps I can tell you, you should plug in the computer. And if you don't know how to plug in the computer, then you are a plug. Is that right? And you say, is there someone there that can speak English? I am speaking English, Mr. Alta. What can I do for you? I can tell you. How many of you have experienced what I'm talking about right there? Absolutely. Bill Gates didn't, couldn't care less if his people speak English or not. He has the power to say, I don't care. But here's the cool part. Imagine if he did care. Imagine if you knew him. Imagine if he was there to meet your needs. Well, you know what? He can't do anything that Jesus Christ can't do. And Jesus Christ can do a whole lot of things that Bill Gates can't do. And here's the thing. Jesus not only knows you, not only knows you, he loves you Amen. and wants to have a relationship with you. 
when, when you're the poor cousin, the poor nephew that knocks on the door, he doesn't run out the back. He invites you in. He, he sends you a book that says, hey, come to me. Come to me. I love you. I love you. But you know what we do when we're overwhelmed? Do you know what happens when we're overwhelmed? Go, go to Romans chapter 8 and we'll look at something. Do you know what happens when we're overwhelmed? When we're truly overwhelmed, that's when we really get down on ourselves. How many of you have ever experienced regret? Regret. Have you ever experienced um, shame? Have you ever experienced self-doubt? So what happens when we are overwhelmed, that's the time that the accuser says to us, you're not really a Christian. This God stuff, it's not real. Look, look, your family member's sick. Look at them. God doesn't care about you. Or it could even be worse. It could even be worse. This is your fault. This is God judging you because of your sin. You're wicked. You don't deserve anything good. Now look, some of you have never experienced those feelings. Many of you, I would say most, have. So what do we need to be reminded of? We need to be reminded about how powerful God is, but if we, are, if we feel like we're under His judgment, then that might not be a good thing to remember. But if we realize who we are in Christ, then all of a sudden that overwhelming experience, that, that feeling of just the pressure of being crushed and you can't breathe, all of a sudden there's some place to take that. Who are we in Christ? Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Look at what it says. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? This is so good. You know, verse, look at verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Why is that so important? Why is that so important? See, I could look at Chad and say, you are a wicked sinner. And what could his answer to that be? It's a good thing it's God that justifies. Because if I had to justify myself, I'm in big trouble. Remember, what does it mean to be justified? It means for God to declare righteous. See, I could declare Chad righteous... But my scale of righteousness would be based on my experience, on my morality. What about when we compare him to God and Jesus Christ's righteousness? Now we're in trouble. That's why we need God Amen. to justify. That's, right. That's why we need God to declare righteousness. So who can lay a charge to God's elect? Look at what it says. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, I like that rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. So, is He really making intercession for you? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Look at verse 37. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Who, who are you in Christ? See, when you're overwhelmed, you need to understand who you are in Christ. You know, sometimes when you're in trouble, uh, just a hug. It's just helpful. Somebody come along beside you and say, I love you. I love you. I'm here. You know, who's going to do that if there's nobody around? Jesus. Jesus Christ. Nothing. Nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. Now, there's some things in that that I want to mention. First of all, the truth about who you are in Christ. First of all, you are secure. You are secure. You see, when you're overwhelmed, that feeling of security is the first thing that goes. Because when you say, what am I going to do? Who am I going to turn to? How am I going to do this? I can't handle this. Then you're not secure. You're not secure. But you are secure in Jesus Christ. We need to remember that. We need to remember that. So you are secure. And then you are loved. You are loved. You know, when you're overwhelmed and you've made mistakes, sometimes we're overwhelmed because of mistakes that we've made. Right? Sometimes, you know, the illustration that we always use is, you know, when you first got married and you bought that furniture on credit, then you realize you have to pay for it. Or how about this? You go to college and you get student loans, then you get a job and you find out your job's not enough to pay your student loans. You're going to be paying for them for about 375 years. Right? And you're overwhelmed all of a sudden. You're just overwhelmed. Right? There are lots of ways. And a lot of times you find out that it's your fault and then why would anybody love me? Well, Jesus Christ knew that before he saved you. See, that's the amazing thing. You know, when you get married, when you get married, you have a certain view of the person that you marry. After you're married, after about six months, now you find out who they really are. And sometimes you get buyer's remorse. Amen. Don't say, look at nobody said it. Look at that. It's Valentine's Day. They can't say it. Now look. What Jesus did was Jesus knew everything we would ever do, everything we'd ever think, everything we'd ever say, every mistake we'd ever make, every choice we'd ever make. And he still says, "Come to me, I love you." How's that for love? That's hard to even understand because all of us have things in our past that we would say, nobody could love me. Jesus Christ knew all about it and He still loves me. You're loved. Not only are you loved, not only are you loved, but you're His. He calls you His own. He keeps you. And what a wonderful thing that is. So remember the truth about who God is. Remember the truth about who you are in Christ. And then remember the truth about time. The truth about time. You ever overwhelmed because of time? I can't get all this done. There's no way. I, I had a little bit of that today because my uncle, they, we wanted, my, my dad's brother came up for the funeral and, um, or, or to see my mom before she passed away and he wanted to stay for the funeral, but he has to leave on Tuesday. So they wanted to have the viewing today and the funeral tomorrow. Well, how many of you understand that I've got something I do on Sundays? Right? So there's time. How are we going to get all this accomplished? All you can do is say, I'll do what I can. I'll do what I can. Many times we're overwhelmed because of the amount of time there is. So the first thing that I want you to think about with this time, and but look with me at the book of James, James 4. James 4. But while, while we turn there, James 4, the first thing that I want you to know about time is that God knew what you would need to do when he established a 24-hour day. Right? If you've got too much to accomplish, 
in a, you, you've got more than you can accomplish in a 24-hour day, maybe you're trying to do too much. Or did God make a mistake by only giving you so much time? Uh, have you ever been overwhelmed by the choices you made? By overcommitting yourself? Now look, there's times when duty, just the responsibilities that you have, make it seem like they can't be done in the time that you have. That's different than just committing yourself to you know, a hobby. I'm talking about things that have to be done. You moms, sometimes I know it seems like you can never do what you're supposed to do in the amount of time that you have. What's the old saying? A man works from sun to sun, but a woman's work is never done. And all the ladies said, Amen, Amen. cry babies. No. Um, <laughs> there's only so much time to accomplish everything that we have. Let's see what the Bible says about it. Look at James chapter 4. Look at verse 14. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Any gray hairs agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I've got this gray, and it seems like the more gray I get, the faster the years go by. I can't believe it's 2013. I can't believe it. Life, it just goes. It just goes. You kids, you're thinking, is school ever going to be out? You're sitting there looking at 3 o'clock can't come soon enough. Any of you kids ever think that way? Yeah. I, I, I cannot sit in this class anymore. May's never going to get here. Of course, now we go to school until August, right? The years get longer and longer. Schools, ne- teachers feel that way more than you students. You'd be surprised. But school's never going to get out. And then you realize, wait a minute, it's all gone. I've been out of school for 30 years. Where did those 30 years go? Where did they go? What's well, life? It's about a vapor. So when we're overwhelmed, we need a genuine perspective on time. We need a genuine perspective on time. And first of all, time on earth is very short. It's very short, but eternity is very long. Right? So here's a good question to ask yourself when you're overwhelmed. Is this going to matter in eternity? Is this going to matter in eternity? Um, (laughs) Weddings? Ladies, do you you need to ask yourself when you're preparing for a wedding, is this going to matter in eternity? It's it's interesting. How many of you have ever seen family members fight at a wedding? It's really cool. (laughs) It is so fun to watch. (laughs) How many of you think I'm a little demented? How many of you would say it's really fun to watch? Yeah, see? What What are the fights usually about? Whose doilies to use or... You know, what color flower are we going to use? Or, you know, did they hang the things in the right place? Or, I can't believe they picked picked that tux. Or, I don't like the dress. Or, why do we have to meet at 4.30 instead of 6.30? Or what? I had a preacher tell me, an older preacher, Sam Davison. He, he was getting ready to do a wedding for his niece. No, his granddaughter. And uh, I said, you having fun? And he said, I'd rather do three funerals than one wedding. He said, because no one's ever complained at a funeral. (laughs) Is that funny? How many of you think that's a little crass? Hey, this is what we do for a living. You know, this is is shop talk. Um, (laughs) 
why do people get so worked up at those things? Because we don't have a perspective of eternity. Is this going to matter in eternity? You know, there's a great Bible verse that says, don't sweat the small stuff. No, wait a minute, that's not in the Bible, but it's true. It's true. So when you're overwhelmed, we need, what we need to do is we need to remember what the Bible says about time. It's just fleeting. It's very quick. So then what should we do? We should prioritize. When we're overwhelmed because of what we commit to, generally it's because we have our priorities out of whack. Is that right? We need to know what to say no to. And, you know, of course, we've said this before, priority. What's the middle of that word? Prior. A priority is something that comes before something else. So how do we understand this? Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> well, what do you do when you're overwhelmed? Remember who God is. He's the all-powerful one. Remember who you are in Christ. You're secure. You're loved. And you're chosen. He just wants to be with you. You're His. And then... Remember the truth about time. Ephesians chapter 5. Look at what it says. Verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. What do wise people do? Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So it's interesting. When we start to think about time... When we start to think about being overwhelmed because of time, well, now all of a sudden we've got to bring wisdom to the party. We've got to bring, bring wisdom to it. Do you know that you can't do everything? Right? How many of you know someone that you wish they would understand that? You know somebody that's like that? This is what Laura says to me all the time. I'll talk about a new project I want to take on. And she'll look at me, are you insane? When, when are you going to do this? I don't know. I'll get it done. Because I'm Bible man. <laughs> you think you can do everything? Are you crazy? This is where wisdom has to come in. And so what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to walk circumspectly. Remember circumference? Walk circumspectly. Knowing what's... That doesn't mean you walk around like this. You get really dizzy <laughs> trying to walk like that. Reminds me of Tim Hawkins talking about his daughter. You know, she dances everywhere. <laughs> You'd have to be there to see. Um, focus. Nick just said focus. I'm, I'm distracting him. Um, look, in redeeming the time, in order to redeem the time, so what does it mean to redeem? It means to buy it back. So how do we buy back something that's going away like this? How do you buy it back? Well, the idea is we just have to be wise. Wisdom tells you what you ought to be doing with the time that you have. Generally speaking, when we're overwhelmed because of time, it's because we've made some bad choices. We've made some bad choices. See, the Bible says redeeming the time because the days are evil. This is a sinful world. And this sinful world is going to cause you to be distracted from the things that God wants you to do. And it's interesting. Usually when people get busy, their service for the Lord is the first thing that goes away. I don't have time to serve God. How many of you think that might be a bad decision? Because what's happening is they're looking at today. They're not looking at eternity. When I'm overwhelmed, I need to remember eternity. 
I need to remember what the Bible says about time. Life is short. Eternity is long. Let's put things in the proper perspective. Amen? See, look, um, I'm trying to say too much so that I can keep going. But with, with my mom, and of course that's on my mind, and I don't want this to be a flippant thing. I'm not just using this for a sermon illustration. It's where I am in life right now. Um, with my mom, what is the thing that helps you through a time like this, especially like for my dad? You know, they've been together for 54, 55 years. So what's the answer for my dad? Well, life is short. That part of life is over. But eternity's long. Mom's with Jesus forever, and soon he's going to go to Jesus to be with her. I mean, what does that do? It gives you the right perspective. Does that mean that we shouldn't, you know, we should just have a party and celebrate? No, we're not Irish. Okay, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to mourn, but not as those which have no hope. Right? We're going to mourn. We're going to miss her. It's going to hurt. But she is in eternity, and eternity is a very real thing. When we're overwhelmed by time, what's the solution? Remembering eternity. Remembering eternity. Praise the Lord for that. The Bible says in Colossians 4 or 5, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. You see, time and wisdom, it goes together. You realize we all have the same amount of time. What's the distinction between the peaceful believer and the frantic believer? Wisdom. Wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. He wants to give you the wisdom to know how to handle your time. So remember the truth about God. He's the all-powerful one. Remember the truth about who you are in Jesus Christ. You're secure, you're loved, and you're His. Remember the truth about time. It's fleeting. Wisdom tells us to prioritize and to trust Him. Remember eternity. Then number four, remember the truth about prayer. Remember the truth about prayer. Go with me to Psalm 61. When I told Laura what I was going to be doing, she said, oh, you've got to go to Psalm 61. I said, yes, ma'am. Psalm 61. She was right. Psalm 61. Look at verse 1. Remember the truth about prayer. Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is what? Overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Selah. Selah. Remember the truth about prayer. First of all, we need to remember that we're praying to one who is a rock. He's a rock. What does that mean? What does it mean that he's a rock? First of all, he never changes. The winds of of change can, can, can crash on him, but he's never going to change. He's not going to change by circumstances. He's not only changeless, he's timeless. He's timeless. And then he cannot be moved by circumstances. He cannot be moved by circumstances. 
We're moved by circumstances, aren't we? Just when you think you're tough, something comes in that breaks you down. Look, he's not moved. Who are we praying to? The one who's a rock. But, you know, have you ever talked to a rock? You know that people pray to rocks? Isn't it amazing? Some idol that's carved out of stone that can do nothing. The Bible calls them dumb idols. I think it means they can't talk. But they're pretty dumb. What are you trusting in? What do you pray to? See, our rock is the living stone. And the Bible says He makes us lively stones in First and Second Peter. Is that cool? He is the rock. He is the, the head of the corner. He's the one that we rest on. He is the rock. Remember that you're praying. The one we're praying to is a rock. And then I like this. Look at the text again. Look at verse uh, 2. From the ends of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock. Look at what it says. That is higher than I. That's higher than I. Do you know sometimes, many times, you need help that is higher than what you can offer. You need help that's higher. He, he is higher than my problem. He's higher than my ability to discern, to discern. He's higher than my confusion. And He's higher than my schedule. God, I need you to do this now. Can we be honest for a minute? How many of you have ever prayed that? Just me? How many of you have ever prayed, God, I need you to do this right now? Okay, now let me ask you this. How many of you prayed, I need you to do this right now, and he didn't do it right now? Would you raise your hand? Hold your hands up. Everybody, look around. Was he still okay? Was God still God? You see, God's higher than my schedule. What does that bring? That brings me peace. It says I can trust him with what he is going to do. So we're praying to the one who's a rock. He's higher. He's higher than my problem. He's higher than my ability to discern. He's higher than my confusion. He's higher than my schedule. But I love this. He'll lead me to himself. When I go to him, he'll lead me to himself. Look at what it says. Middle of verse 2. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lead me. Lead me. Why? Because I'm lost. I don't know where to go. And remember what we looked at the verse before. Well, I will praise you and give you honor for your strength, for your power. He'll lead me to the answer. And the answer is always him. Always him. When I'm lost, he knows the way. When I'm scared, he holds me in his all-powerful hand. And then you know what I need to remember when I pray? He's already sheltered me. We're so quick to forget, aren't we? You remember he, Jesus Christ, he upbraided them for their unbelief because they, they remembered not the miracle of the loaves and fishes. He had just fed 4,000 people. He had just fed 4,000 people with, with a fish, with a couple of pieces of bread. He fed 4,000 people. They get out in a storm and they say, Oh no, God, what are you going to do? They say, Can't you trust me? And here's the deal. Look at the text. Look at what it says. Verse 3, For thou hast been a shelter for me. He's already done it. He has already helped you. He's already protected you. Go to Him. Secure in the knowledge that He's already helped you and He'll do it again. He'll do it again. He's a safe shelter. He's a comforting shelter. Look at what it says, verse 3. For thou hast been a shelter for me. Look at it, it says, verse 4. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Covert. He hides me in a place nobody else knows where I am, but it's not just a dungeon. It's the comfort 
of his wings. It's comfortable. Love it. So not only is he a, a safe shelter, he's a comforting shelter, and he's eternal, an eternal shelter. There's that time thing again. Then lastly, remember the truth about his return. You ready for this? How many of you think this world's a mess? It's a girl, good thing we're leaving. Right? Look at what it says. Verse 1. Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Selah. Selah. What is Selah? Now we understand that musically... It's a rest. I mean, you pause. It's a rest. But biblically, it's the prophecy that He's coming back. Whenever you see that word Selah, it has to do with the millennium, the rest that Jesus Christ is going to bring on earth for a thousand years. I don't have time to trace that down through the Scriptures. The only place outside of Psalms it's used, it's used in the book of Habakkuk twice, and each time it has to do with the second coming of Jesus Christ. The word Selah, another word for that is Petra. What is Petra? It's the place of rest in the rock that the Jews have during the tribulation period. Selah. Selah. He's going to give you rest. Do you know what the best part about when we're overwhelmed, do you know what the blessing is? He's coming back. How many of you, seriously, how many of you really believe that He's coming back? How many of you kind of didn't think about that yet today? You know what happens when we're overwhelmed? We forget that God is in complete control. He set the world spinning and He's going to end it all. He is coming back. Selah. Praise the Lord. So what do I need to do? When I'm overwhelmed, I need to remember that God is the all-powerful one. I need to remember the truth that I'm in Christ, who I am in Christ. I need to remember the truth about time. It's fleeting. Eternity is long. I need to remember the truth about prayer. He wants to hear me. He receives my prayer. And I do need to remember about the truth of His second coming. He is coming back. He'll rule and we'll rule and reign with Him. And He's going to bring ultimate peace and rest. How many of you would say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus? Amen. Amen. You know, I remember when I was a kid, I didn't want Jesus to come back yet. I wanted to get married. Right? Then I got married and I say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. Look. Have you been overwhelmed? Do you know that God knew you would be overwhelmed? Satan has established a system in this world to overwhelm you. God has promised you peace. So if you're overwhelmed, who's winning in your life? Isn't that a good question? Do you know what the Bible says? We're victors. We're more than conquerors. We just need to accept His power, His peace, His wisdom, his help, and His strength. That's what we do when we're overwhelmed. Lord Jesus, thank You so much for Your Word.